dreaming It's remains when we need to talk bad about my boss Take a break from work today is no total loss Welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest edition of the South Dakota Podcast and Blast. I'm your host, Chris Hull, and today I am in the palatial uh, palace of my boss, my big boss, Secretary Kelly Hepler. Decided he was going to take an hour out of this beautiful 90-degree June 1st day and uh, spend some time talking to me and talking to you about uh, how Game Fishing Parks moves forward. Thanks, thanks for being here, boss. Hey, I'm happy to have you here. I know uh, we are social distancing, in case people are right, listening. Right. You know, my office must be, you know, 30, 40 yards long. <laughs> yeah, so at least basketball court, bowling alley. You know, we have plenty of room in here to do this, but no, it, it's, I'm happy to do it. It is a beautiful day out, Chris, and I really enjoy the blog, so I'm happy I'm actually getting to participate. Yeah, uh, and it's more of me staying more than six feet away from you, so you can't lean over and smack me upside the head when I say something <laughs> dumb, because let's face it, I'm going to say something dumb, but... Again, thanks for being here, boss. Um, strange things, strange times. I mean, it, it, it had to, you know, it, it hit all of us just kind of out of nowhere. And it, and and I know you. You're a you're a people person. You're a you lead by uh, relationship. You lead by example. You lead by showing and just you know building those relationships. How have you handled it so far? You know, it's interesting. I would just got off an hour-long meeting with a, a bunch of people I saw down in Omaha, Nebraska, in the middle of March. We're all at a meeting there, and right after that, in fact, there's people a lot closer in the yard right now that tested positive for COVID-19, and so we had to, you know, go through and you know, quarantine ourselves when we get back into the state. But it is real different. I live in a beautiful location out Peoria Flats. We have a hundred degree view of the water. We have trees around us. You know, it's kind of like paradise. Um, but there's no real interaction. You know, I spent a lot right. of time with Carol, which I really enjoy, and then Marty, my dog, and, you know, and Marty, but um, it's hard. And so we come into the office here. I came in the office, you know, every now and then, and there'd be like one or two of us. It's just like this weird situation. Or if you go somewhere and, I, you know, I wear a mask, you stare at you like, what's wrong with you? They don't do so much of that anymore. Or I saw someone in the office here the other day, and I kind of unexpectedly come up to them. They jump back at me like I'm, right. you know, like I'm poisoned. Right. And we are all very much social animals. That's how we're built. We like to interact and look people in the eye. And, you know, we learn to communicate now by Zoom and Microsoft Teams and all these other platforms out there. Um, but it's hard. And you try to do some of the work we try to do. It's You can't really, even in looking at Zoom, you can't judge people what they're thinking. And mm -hmm. so much when my interaction with people, I need to be able to look in the eye and say, what do you think? Because I'm fully capable of going off the wrong direction. You know, even if you look me in the eye, I can right. do that. But it's, I like the least to know that I'm going off in the wrong direction without right. me doing it wrong. So, but it's been good. I mean, staff's, staff's been incredible. Um, it's bring out a lot of things. Neighbors are real good with each other, help each other out. They'll shop for you and do different things. You know, like Walmart places, you know, they'll shop and bring all that stuff out for you. So it's, but it's a different world. It's absolutely incredible to me how the world's changed. Right. And it's, I don't think it's going to go back the way it was. 
and you know, there's some lessons to be learned, and maybe this isn't the right broadcast. No, no, I that, that was the next question. You know, that just popped into my head. That, that you know, we need to what we've seen across the country because I'm interact interacting with a lot of different state directors is, and we see it right here. We see a lot more people in our parks, a lot more people in our parks. It wasn't just because for a while we had a free you know entrance yeah. to get in. I mean, there's people want to be there. And even Custer State Park now, it's packed. And normally it'd be non-residents. It's residents in Custer right. State Park. And when I lived in the hills, we very seldom went there unless we had to. Just because that's a tourist des- destination. You don't want to do that. So we have all these people getting outside. All this interest of being tied back to nature. And so the question is, what are we going to be once this gets off the backside of this disease? How are we going to keep these people interested in staying outside with us? Um, what we found is that it's important for health of people, and, w- and what a way to intersect to get people's attention. But we mentioned baseball. We talked about a little earlier, Chris, mm-hmm. or people get back to soccer, maybe it's swimming, whatever it is. Are we going to have that same interest in the families to get outside? And we're going to try to position ourselves so we're more relevant than we were before. We want these people to go outside. It's a healthy thing to do. The governor clearly wants that for Second Century Initiative. is very consistent with that. So that's where our challenge is. But there's a lot of opportunities that people are learning from this that we're going to learn in the future that we'll come back and talk about. But it's um, it's scary. You know, people are still apprehensive. Um, this disease hasn't gone as we're seeing. It's coming back up again, which they thought it would. So all the lessons we're learning here, we're, we just need to keep those in place as we go forward. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> took this job. I mean, talk a little bit about your career, what you've done. I mean, you're a South Dakota kid, uh, West River Hills kid. But when you took this job, there's no way you can predict something like this. No. So when you get that call, you know, a few hours ahead of everybody else and you're, you're in contact with the Gov's office and stuff, it's the first thought goes through your head and then what I mean do you have to take some time to gather yourself and go okay we need to do this going forward and obviously it changed a hundred times because it's just that was the nature of this but it's the first first thoughts in your head and and what did you do to like kind of gather yourself and all right this is what we're doing going forward you know this thing was like a slowly evolving train so it wasn't like somebody called up and said my god you know we have a drowning you need to go respond to or something like that this changed through time, and whether it's on a national scale or whether it's on a state scale. I, I think the governor has been very consistent about personal responsibility and how to take care of those things, which, you know, hindsight is going to treat her very well, I think, in, in history, if that's the right thing. But my first thought is, is safety. I mean, what about staff? What about the public that we serve? What's it mean to them? You know, we have people, special circumstances, you know, like I'm 65. And, of course, immediately say the people, their focus is 65 and older. Right. And, you know, my wife's 70. And so, you know, I, and like I said this the other day on the uh, town hall meeting, they asked me, what do you wake up 2 o'clock in, in the morning to think about? Well, it's really about staff and, and safety because all the rest of the stuff really doesn't matter in the end if we don't have that. And so how do we keep ourselves safe? And that was an evolving topic. And I think... We did a very good job in this department early on. That's the leadership we saw and leadership out in the field wasn't just in peer. That by no means was the case. But I think we went over and beyond. And not all the other agencies were aggressive about it as we were. You saw that we had a lot of people on admin leave and we could get them work we could, but I wasn't gonna you know, I wasn't gonna force them to come back and you know, but people are watching that. 
you know, not just the nature sure. of the beast. You know, we have a bottom line in the state like everything else. Um, but I think collectively we reacted it fairly well and people are adaptive. Um, once you realize this is really a problem, although there's still people out there that think this is somewhat of a hoax and it's made up and, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how they think that, but it's it's not, you know, it does, it happens. You know, the Kennedy sure. get shot, who shot Kennedy? <laughs> right, so, right. Um, but I, I think we did react well. But it's it, it's a challenge in leadership. And you see that leadership come out in multiple ways for people. And, you know, either you'll see people react really badly or you'll see people stand up and do the right thing and for all the right reasons. And we've seen examples of that all over the state of people doing it on both sides of that. Cool. All right, let's talk about some, some more practical stuff that, that our staff and our folks listening, you know, probably bouncing through their heads. Uh, you know, today is kind of the first day where, where you start seeing a lot of activity in our offices. Our offices aren't really, for the most part, open to the public. Uh, what, do you, what do you see as that timeline going forward? Are, you know, our offices being open in Huron or Watertown or whatever? Yeah, we need to be clear. We talked about this this morning with, the, with our division directors, too. I mean, Parks, for the most part, is operating as yeah, normal. Yeah, absolutely. Parks so, are those, open. so those offices are open. I mean, you know, certainly we want people to come out in the parks. We're seeing that. We just talked about that. So please, I think what we're talking about more is like administrative offices and yep. the wildlife offices, um, the outdoor campuses in both east and west. Um, our goal is to have those things open up and running by June 15th and see where that goes and realize there's there's can always be a little flexibility with that and no one's from the governor's office said you know kelly you must open by june right. 15th the governor give every department complete flexibility to approach this how you want to approach it but our goal is june 15th and it's gradual you know i think we may get into this chris but you know we made it clear that people can, can work from home mm-hmm. and be efficient about it and still get the work done that they're still open to do that and we also realize there are certain people, you know, they probably max out, they can do that, and they need to come back in the office. Um, but when they come back in the office, we want them to feel safe. And so, you know, we're providing the tools to self-regulate, make sure that temperature's not above 100.4, you know, get that six-feet separation, which is so important. Um, wear masks, we'll provide those if that's what you think you need to do, particularly if you're riding in a vehicle with somebody. Wash constantly, my hands, you know, are cracked. Yeah. Constantly, or they smell like alcohol, you know. Right. And, you know, it's not bush light alcohol right. either, it's real alcohol. Right. Um, cleaning, cleaning alcohol. It, those things are all there. Um, we got sneeze guards going up in the offices. I don't know where they are across the whole state. We'll find that out. So, we're putting things in place for people to feel safe, but even without notwithstanding that, there's people who are still going to be concerned, whether maybe they have an elder parent living with them or something, or maybe they have asthma or something that they have their own concerns or maybe they recently had cancer, whatever it may be, and they're concerned about being that. Because we, you know, we haven't peaked out yet. We've been incredibly fortunate in the state, but it's still out there. Right. Um, and so we're doing everything we can do to make sure people are safe. But we'll see people trickling. And we're seeing here in the FOSS building, um, you know, Chris, you know, I see each other once in a while. There may be two, three of us here in the past. There's probably maybe, what, 15, 16 people. And, mm-hmm. you know, normally there'd be 50, 60 and that's, I think that's going across, you know, the whole state. Um, but we want to get these visitor centers open, you know, like um, the, out- the visitor centers and parks are open, although they're pretty much self-policing. Um, but certainly the outdoor campuses, we can get those up and running open to the public by the 15th of June. I think that'd be fantastic. Cool. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, for me, you look at it, and I came in once or twice a week, just especially when I was 
like dealing with you know the podcast files or video files or photos and stuff. It's just hard to do um, uh, with you know wireless internet, and it's just really slow. And, and like the sneeze guards and stuff were the things that are just like, oh man, this is you know this is probably going to be here for a long time. Um, you know, I, I I probably think that you know in, in my lifetime, Americans and in the culture anyway has had a fairly short memory when it comes to some of this stuff. Oh, the world will never be the same. And you know, in certain circumstances it's not, but it's not always like as high reaching, you know, and I, I always tell, you know, my friends and stuff who aren't from here and they want to come back. Well, you know, when, you know, when we come back when you're ready and, and I'll give you a handshake and a slap on the back. Well, I don't know, you know, um, I, I think we'll get there, but this, this is something that it's hard to realize it from here you know, in the middle of the Middle West, in the middle of nowhere, where life changed, but it wasn't, we weren't stuck in a, in a, you know, two bedroom apartment in New York with uh, no vehicle and, you know, no free, you know, no freezer, no storage space, cold storage for food. Uh, you know, I had a half a beef and two deer in my freezer. I wasn't too worried about that kind of thing, but, you know, you start thinking about the people who were affected like that. And I mean, it's gotta just, you know, it's got to get people just kind of turned around. They weren't able to go to their parks. You know, they weren't able to go out and, and recreate and, and kind of recenter. And, and I think for me and talking to people, that's one of the biggest things that, you know, keeping those parks open and keeping fishing open and turkey hunting open and stuff and saying, look, you can do this stuff locally, recreate locally. I think that made a big difference for a lot of people. So we had this conversation with the governor um, last week. I just said, you know, Imagine, Governor, if you would have followed suit like some other governors and shut the borders down, told people to truly quarantine and isolate both. And, you know, and that's what, you know, you saw the streets in New York City where there's basically tumbleweeds blowing down it and everybody was in those apartments you just described. They couldn't get out. Right. Um, food security it was a real problem. You know, we've seen the people in line just to get food for their family for the day and the unemployment. But... We gave the opportunity here for people to recreate, and there was a lot of pressure early on, in particular, to keep non-residents out of the state. Whether it's non-resident fishermen, whether it's non-residents using the parks, whether it's non-residents maybe going turkey hunting in the Black Hills, there was a lot of push, and that didn't happen. And I think, in hindsight, that was absolutely the right call. And even when it was happening, I thought that was the right call. I mean, it, it just that wasn't going to slow this disease down, and the governor knew that. And she was, she was correct. But at the same time, you see these people who were really isolated, say in Chicago. Then you saw like a week ago in the Lake of the Ozarks. I mean, they just felt yeah. like it's been two months and I just can't stand it anymore. I'm gonna, we're going to go and we're going to see each other and we're going to party. Well, as it turns out, now somebody was positive that was part of that group. Well, of course. And so now those people are going to have to go back and they're <laughs> going to you know, they're gonna have to self-quarantine right. as long as we, you know, to follow that thing up again. But we saw this urge to get out and just socialize. But, I mean, seeing some of these bars, whether it's in Madison or in Atlanta, I mean, they're side by side like nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. And the incidence of this disease is going up in those locations again. But that's just perfect right. environment. The disease loves that. This virus loves that. But for the most part here in this, I mean, yeah, we're already self-isolated. Most people, a lot of our people work on ranches. I mean, you don't get more self-isolated than if you're a farmer or a rancher for the most part. Right. That's, what, that's how you spend your whole life. Right. Um, but this is a disease, you know, caused virus, and it's not going to go away. So certainly we're learning here. We better take with us. I agree. Um, you talked about, 
you know, being able to work remotely and, and versus coming in the office. And, and we have, by nature, um, on the parks and on the wildlife side, people who do work out in the field work remotely. Um, obviously, we weren't able to, let's say, spawn walleyes this year because that's a it was going on right during kind of this whole holy smokes thing and that's a that is a group that's a group job it's a lot of work i mean i know you've done it a lot more than i have but i've done it enough to know it's a lot of work um going forward with our staff fisheries and and by big game biologists habitat folks parks folks kind of direction do they have when they're working in those groups out in the out in the field well, it's the same direction as we have worked in the office here. I mean, they still need to socially distance themselves. As, you know, we realize that you know, you know, ideal if you could drive separately out to a site. That's what you want to do. Or two people spread out and wear masks, as you know, we put out in our policy. But they need to just to show the same type of you know restraint. And I know there are some people that somewhere there's a um, DOT crew that weren't social distancing and. Some place must be fairly visible because there are a lot of people saw them. You heard about it, yeah. You know, a lot of people heard them, you know, and, you know, including you know, BHR and DOT heard about it. I didn't ask Secretary Berkowitz about it, but it, so people are watching that. But just show good common sense. Um, but there's a lot of work we do. I mean, that shouldn't necessarily be a problem. It's like in the parks. I mean, I've been in enough of the parks now that people are. I mean, are showing the right distance. I'm not saying maybe when they get you know that you know when they get by themselves in the camping area they're out, but our staff and the public they seem to respect that and they're leaving us alone and keeping us six feet distance from us. So I think it's possible, but there's certain things, yeah, like the walleye spawning, which, I mean, that hurts not to take those eggs. It truly hurts. But that came right at the peak, right when we're we're going to be more conservative than not, and so that means less fishing opportunity in the future to ensure somebody didn't get tested positive we're willing to make that sacrifice right and i think you know that was absolutely the right call to make and i'd make it again the same way yeah and i you know we did talk to uh i had bob hanton one of our fisheries biologists and 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 on a podcast earlier when we had a lot of frequently asked questions with nick and i and that question came up a lot you know Mm -hmm. geez you know in in three years we aren't going to have walleyes in clear lake or whatever and you know their answer was if this was going to happen you know, this was probably one of the perfect years for Northeast South Dakota, Eastern South Dakota, because there's so many strong year classes of fish that there are a lot of places where we were putting, probably would have put fish that would have just been fish food because there are some strong year classes. And I think you're seeing it, um, you know, just from uh, me being up there last weekend and and hearing folks, uh, there are a lot of people fishing. There are people fishing in spots where I've never seen them fish and they're catching fish. And I think that's because one, they're, you know, trying to get back and do a little bit of normalcy and get, you know, get out and get the families and stuff. And two, there's a lot of new water and a lot of fresh water up there and there's a lot of fish. So, you know, in, in regards to that, I think, I think uh, people will be surprised that the years down the line and, and I, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you know, next year's spawning will, will have a very vested interest in making sure we got all hands on deck and, and, uh, if we can get those fish and get them raised, if if blue dog fishery or hatchery doesn't end up in blue dog, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're just saying about you know it is a blessing on one side to have the water up there and create a fishing <coughs> opportunity, right. but on the other side, it's not. I mean, it's historic the level at least yeah, what, I've in our measured time of of where the water is, and it it, it you know, I'd I'd rather have less fishing opportunity yeah, than less water. Right. 
you know, for a lot of different reasons, you know, for egg community and just some of those other things. Right. But you're right, it's just there's some really good fishing right now. And right. you can see there's good fishing here along the Missouri. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, there's it's people been doing really well. You're talking about right yourself, you know, catching fishing out along the dam. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, people are pleased right now. And I, you know, I just can't imagine, you know, we talked about it this morning with Emily Keel that what if this disease would have hit right in the middle of our winter? Right. When even in South Dakota, you're isolated to some degree. You know, you may have the food. I'm not worried about food security, at least for most of us. But, I mean, they can get out now. I mean, back in those days, I mean, then you can imagine the first sunny day I was warm out, people would explode outside. Yeah. You know, fortunately, this happened in the spring of the year, if you are fortunate, and allowed people to get outside a little more. Yeah. Um, we talked about, um, you know, PPEs and, and we're, you know, and coming in the office, you take our temperature and stuff. What kind of PPEs, um, you know, personal protection equipment are we re- are we requiring folks? You know, you, you come pulling up to Farm Island, um, are they required to wear masks? Or, or you, I know you're a big, you know, personal responsibility, be smart kind mm-hmm. of thing. Just talk about what people will see if they come into the office or go out to the parks. We're asking people to interact with the public like that to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's... You know, and this thing about masks, you know, you're not wearing a mask to protect yourself. You're wearing a mask to protect the people you're talking to. Because if you do happen to sneeze or something, you know, those, that, you know, airborne droplets, you want to keep them on your own, on your own mask. Um, but also, I think it, at least for right now, at least, and our customers, they, they value seeing that. They, they know you care when you're doing that. There are certain places, you know, if you wear a mask, they don't want you around. But that isn't what we've seen so far. So we're asking people to do that. Now, we're not asking somebody to wear a mask eight hours a day. I mean, even if you go down to like Farm Island someplace, you know, they're really busy. But, you know, it's if you add up the total amount of time to wear a mask in a day, it isn't that much. But also, if you travel, as we talked about, Chris, in a vehicle, if you and I were traveling to Rapid City somewhere together, then we wear a mask. I know you'd like to have me wear a gay. <laughs> well, I think that's you know, what, 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 You know, which would, in fact, act <laughs> right. like a mask if you put it over my nose, yeah. you know. You'd probably yeah. make me ride on the roof, actually. <laughs> but, you know, that that doesn't happen. Sometime I'll tell you a story about mm-hmm. um, duct tape and a governor up in Alaska sometime. <laughs> who's a fellow director told him if he asked, I'll, I'll tell you, it's really, it is funny. This guy was really funny, and... We were traveling like, down to our down to our capital, and so the agreement was he was a division of commercial fisheries director, and I was a sport fish director. The agreement from the governor Knowles is that I'm going to talk to to the director from Comfish here, but when we get down and we get another business there, and we're actually traveling back down to Juneau, I want to spend some time with you, and that was fine. So I, I respectfully listened while they talked about commercial fisheries and things. It was interesting. We landed, we did our thing, and then we got back in the plane and we're traveling from Cordova down to down to Juneau. And um, this guy that who was a director also worked for the same division I did for a while. And so the governor had asked me a question, and he would answer it. This went on about three times, and I'm staring at him. Finally, the governor looks at because we always travel with security. Looked at mm-hmm. security and asked, "Do you have any duct tape in this plane?" <laughs> because I want you to put it on him, and he pointed right at the division director. So I always think about you know duct tape. So yeah, duct tape does come in handy right. for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> but no, I mean going back again. I mean we're not out in like say here in the office. You know we don't you don't have to wear a face mask or those type of things. But we do want people to self regulate. I mean. Uh, a lot of people will get this disease will never know it. That's just the way it's right. set up. I think I think Kim said like eighty percent potential will never even know they have it. But seeing that elevated temperature is certainly one indication mm-hmm. that it could be other reasons you could have other things going on. But if you see a hundred point four, 
that's a problem. We don't want you coming back in the office. Right. You need to contact your health provider and see what's going on. And so I self-regulate. I, <clears throat> I take my temperature orderly. We went in today and we took we had one here, and it's a thermal-operated one, which I'd never used before. Yeah. So I'm here early with Judy. I said, Judy, how's that work? And uh, she goes, well, said my temperature's 80. <laughs> So I'm thinking maybe we need to call up Sean, right. who, used to, who used to work for us. Right. I'm thinking this isn't good. Right. And I'm thinking that isn't good. So I take it. Mine's like 87 or 88. Somebody else then comes in. It's around 88. And I'm going, what in the world? Because I just took mine this morning. Yeah. Well, then Andy shows back up who puts these out. And Andy goes, oh, you didn't have it in the right setting. And so we put it on the right setting. And it, it does fine. But the point is, it, it's a very useful tool. And it gives, hopefully, people around here and in the other offices, anybody's listening, and us or public if they're listening, you know, a, a sense of security that we're taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. And we do man that, and, you know, we want people, if, you, if that's the way, stay home. It's no different than a common cold, but this is a lot worse. Right. Um, I know, you know, CDC regulations, and we've had discussions about indoors versus outdoors, and, you know, we even talked about maybe doing this outside, but, frankly, it's 90 degrees, and... Neither one of us have shorts on, so it was a little warm, so we'll do it in here. Um, you know, thinking about the nature of our businesses, especially our education folks, you know, it was interesting. Our our education folks are certainly people, people, people. Oh, yeah. um, that's what, you know, trips their trigger and floats their boat, and, and I think um, nobody gets a kick out of their job more than, you know, some of our outdoor campus folks and our naturalists in the parks and and. You know, people like Maggie and Tanaya, you know, delivering that how-to programming to get people outside more. And I think they've done an unbelievable job with the videos and stuff that mm-hmm. they're doing. I think I helped edit 50 of them, and they're on our YouTube channel. And, and, you know, they're posting more every day onto their Facebook channels and stuff. But I think, you know, they want to get back to face-to-face. And not necessarily, you know, hands-on, I'm over the right. top of you, touching you stuff, but... Some of that construction, you know, construct instructional and construction stuff. What uh, what are you thinking about holding like those in person educational programs again and class sizes? I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to have to have some that heightened sanitation and, and social distancing and mask requirements and some of that stuff. Um, you know, what's what's your thoughts on on that kind of programming and delivering that, which is a big big part of what we do, and I think some people overlook it. Oh, it's a huge part of what we do, and this is one of the more exciting times. I just, you know, I love Maggie Lindsay because she's a little hesitant about making some of those videos, and I mean, she's she was a rock star, right? I mean, and they're very well done. I learned a bunch of stuff I didn't know. Listen mm-hmm. to some of those, so I appreciate that with Maggie. Um, so, following CDC guidelines, we're still trying to keep those gatherings under ten, you know, ten or under, you know, and trying to do social distancing. Yeah, and the concern, you know, when you're outside, whether it's ninety outside or whatever. Is a lot less than if you're in a confined space. That's really where most people are concerned is in a confined space. And, you know, if you're in a confined space for more than 50 minutes, you know, more like kind of like we are now, we're keeping social distancing. Those rise up. If you're mm-hmm. outside, it's a little bit different. It's not like somebody can pass you in a grocery store and, you know, and, yeah. yeah. It's not like you got a tick on you or something right. unless you sneeze right in your face, heaven forbid. But people are over-concerned about that. So I think there's room for some of those. And, you know, I haven't talked to Scott Simpson and a parks division, but you know, I'm not sure if they're starting to do some of those or not. But there's room for some of that to happen. Just keep those small groups, you know, under ten, and you mm-hmm. know, then you can still satisfy, you know, kind of the professional urge to do that as well as you know the public need to meet those programs. Yeah, and I think you know, the, like I said, they did do a great job on those videos, and I had a lot of meetings with them 
um, a lot of gnashing of teeth and concern about, you know, I don't like the way it looks and, the, and I don't like the way I look on camera. And I said, that's all of us. And, uh, you know, just keep it a steady camera so it doesn't look like Blair Witch and give good audio. Every one of you have your own personalities. And they did that, and, and it's shown, and I've got a kick out of watching them and, and helping them edit. And, uh, you know, I learned how to cast a fly rod and, and, uh, in the last week by helping film some of those videos. So a little, little uh, personal parade, I guess, you know. So yeah, The fact they taught you how to use a fly rod is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, Well, explain the fact also about what you got for your Father's Day gift. Right, yeah. My daughter tied uh, a whole box of flies for Christmas, and... Uh, I've actually lost two, and I think some fish have destroyed two or three. And every time that happens, she I come home and she's mad at me. So that's right. So Christmas wasn't yeah, Father's she, Day, but she that's made, still, uh, yeah, that was a really cool gift. And she made me some Clouser minnows yesterday because I lost I lost one to a pike, and one just got wore out. We caught so many smallmouth on it. So yeah, that's cool stuff. And she she learned actually. She was right there helping film, and she learned how to do it too. And and uh, we even had my wife casting a little bit the other day too. So I don't know if we'll be fly fishermen, but it, that's a heck of a lot of fun. So, um, what about you know our our NGOs and our our, our public you know groups, whether it's uh, Fly Fishers of the Black Hills or um, Pheasants Forever, uh, Mule Deer Foundation, Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited. You know we have close partnerships with those folks, and it's not only just business partnerships. It's it's personal partnerships, and, and they they get a lot of use out of places like the campuses and our facilities, um, meeting rooms. What do you see going forward? Um, you know, it might not seem like a big idea or a big deal, but you know, those those partnerships are important. What do you see going forward? You know, working with them. You know, geez, we share employees with PF, and but you know, as far as like meetings and let, letting them use our space and and going forward with that you know before i maybe give a direct answer to your question chris i mean those organizations pretty much everyone you mentioned run on donors and their fundraising typically are larger gatherings banquets those yeah. type of things and i can't explain to you how badly those organizations are hurting right now i think this this is going to remake this disease is going to remake what ngos look like in this country because some will will survive and some won't but every one of them whether you're nra which is kind of you know the the, the poster child are, are cutting staff and cutting because they, they just don't have the money coming in. Um, wildlife, turkeys, same way, you know, pheasants forever. Every single one of them, mule deer, every one of them are, are suffering because of this. Now, that's just a reality. And so this partnership you mentioned is very, very important to us. Um, this shared conservation, they are friends. And when they're not just like there's some business relationship, they're right. personal friends that they share the same hopes and dreams and vision we want to do, they're with us. And so the sooner we can get back working with them, the better. You know, we're looking forward to it. Like we have, you know, Pheasants Fest coming back to South Dakota, mm -hmm. you know, the capital fishing, or excuse me, hunting capital of the world for pheasants, that's coming back. Um, we're looking, that looks good. I, I talked to Howard Vincent the other day and said a lot of people are excited to come back to South Dakota and a number of those vendors want to come back or rising. But between now and then, the ability to sit down, you know, and have a, you know, you know, a gathering of, let's see, the Mitchell chapter is going to be really difficult, right? Or up in Aberdeen, you know, these really active chapters, it's, it's going to be difficult. Or if we want them to come in and have a joint meeting, you know, we're we're planning the world around virtual reality, and you're seeing a mass and explosion of people learning how to do that and marketing that, and you know, we're learning that. Um, we're going to our Western Association meetings going to be virtual. <clears throat> but there's really some neat things with that, though, that we talked about. 
one of the things we talk about all the time in the state agencies is relevance. You know, we're a little bit unique here because there's so many people hunting, fish, and trapping in the state, and but there's a lot of people that you know maybe they just want to go into the park or whatever it may be, and we don't always touch them. I think we should be. We talk about relevance. Here, if we go virtual, you have a chance to have the normal people be there. You have other people maybe couldn't travel that are able to participate in these meetings and listen. We have staff that are members of committees, for example, some of the associations, they never be able to travel, but now they'll be able to participate and bring their depth of knowledge in and learn and be able to experience some of that. So there's some real advantage of that mm -hmm. if you can take advantage of it. But it's it's a new world and you know, trying to figure out how to work some of these meetings virtually and still make money. And it, there's some right. bigger ones, they actually they are. They're making maybe more money than they did before by the fact they can get more people to speak because they don't want to travel. Sure. I don't know when I'm going to travel. I mean, normally I'd have been traveling a lot oh, in the association mm -hmm. presidency I had. Um, I don't feel safe riding on a plane right now. I just yeah. don't. And, you know, and th there's people have been, in, you know, infected riding on these planes. And so mm -hmm. I don't know when that's going to happen around, be able to have happen around here. But as soon as we can start opening these larger spaces and get people into it, then we'll be able to. You know, I, you can scatter people out. If you're outside, it'll be a little bit easier, mm -hmm. as you mentioned. You know, if we're all meeting outside in 90 degree heat, right. you know, summer has hit <coughs> South Dakota, it appears. Um, but I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Uh, good transition here. Uh, let's talk about the commission a little bit. Um, you know, the commission, we've done a couple of the virtual meetings, um, basically based based on call-in, and, and I think they've been effective, but I think there's also a, a push and a, and a, you know, for the right, and it's right to go to more of a Zoom meeting where people can look and watch and, and see those face-to-face -face kind of things. How long do you think you know, I know this week's commission meeting is going to be a Zoom meeting, mm -hmm. and you can call in, and you can listen on on uh, the South Dakota network. Um, what do you think? You know, going down the line, commission meeting in person. You know, I think there's a certain. You know, we're we're talking hybrid meetings is kind of what we're doing on a national scale as well as here. I think there's a certain advantage to have those commissioners even socially spread to be able to look at each other and and get a sense. You know what they're seeing, what they're thinking. Um, you know, I think it'll help that way. You know, I'm hoping we'll get to some kind of a hybrid where maybe the commissioners can be together. You know, and then maybe staff can you know call in where necessary. Um, but the other thing we just talked about it—the fact that you can actually zoom in now or even participate over phone and and phone in—you know—we gain more people mm -hmm. to testify than we would have in the past. And so you don't have to travel to here or maybe. I'm in the Black Hills. I don't want to travel all the way over to Brookings to testify. Now we're going to set this up. You can't go backwards with public participation, and we shouldn't, and we're going to be able to do some of that. I don't know. You know, I, I enjoy, you know, be able to look a commissioner in the face, and then if I see those concerns, it gives me a chance to talk to them or more than one of them. Um, but certainly we don't have to worry about getting more than four commissioners together at one time right now, so that's not a problem. Right. But, yeah, we'll do a virtual one this on Thursday, and this one – we Zoom, as you mentioned, Chris, and this is where we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be sharing that screen to people who, you know, is their Zoom text. We're gonna be sharing that screen, so we'll be showing a presentation to those commissioners. Um, of course, there's limitations, you know. There's broadband speed. We get it right here in this building. I oh, saw it yeah. earlier today. I mean, we had a, a Zoom meeting, and you know, people <laughs> twenty yards down the hall was breaking up. Right. And so this, and that happens, and you get out some of these areas. One of our commissioners is out in the Western South Dakota Union, and I don't get a broadband speed. I think, 
I think the governor and the legislature done a wonderful job getting more of that out there, but we're still getting it out there. And right. so it's limited by that, but it's, I think we're going to see more and more of it going that way, but I still think we need that hybrid if possible. Yeah. And, you know, I think initially, even when we went to South Dakota Network and, and you know, there's some gnashing of teeth that, yeah, that's the step that the governor wants us to take, um, Governor Dugard, and that's that's a step, you know, to allow for more participation. And certainly for those hot button issues, um, you know, we saw that peak, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, there would be hundreds of people listening. Um, and I think it helps with, you know, being open, you know, more open and, and not honest, but more open and active government. But I also think it, it's, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm like you, I'm person to person. And, and so listening to these commission meetings, I, I've missed two commission meetings in 15 years. Um, listening to them, it just doesn't, it's not the same for me, but partially it's because we've kind of truncated those meetings and just like we have we have this business we have to get done it's deer tags it's you know spring turkey or fall turkey or whatever but for me i think i've missed missed that those information things more because you learn so much what 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 our folks are doing why they're doing it how they're doing it and and i think those are the things that now with these Zoom meetings, I, I think when we start getting back that way, those become more accessible to the public too. And I think that's important because we get a lot of everyday questions about whether it's deer or fish spawning or fish tagging or whatever that we explain at these meetings. But the public, you know, you're not, like you said, you don't have to drive to Lodgepole for a meeting or whatever to see it. So I'm, I'm hopeful that those kind of things will get more people watching those some of those information items, especially if... You know, you're a big deer hunter and you see all, you know, our big game biologists are putting something on like that. I think it'll go to definitely, especially those really passionate people when it gets down into the minutia of management. Uh, I hope that that stuff spreads more and, and gets out to those really, really invested folks. So. You know, and, and I hope it will, and I, it has. We've seen some of that. But here's the downside of that. I don't know if you remember we had a young lady about two months ago. Yeah, months ago. Yeah, she was pheasant from Prussia. She did a wonderful job of standing in front of that commission and testifying, and her folks there, I think her grandparents mm -hmm. were even there, and her brother may have been there. You know, and, and see that, you know, you're never going to capture that on nope. Zoom, ever. Nope. And it was just, it was incredible. And now she's our ambassador. I mean, right. she's, I mean, what a, what a bright young lady. She's got a future at her. Right. Uh, but that's a peachy miss. And you'll see it, you know, we have commissioners like Gary and some of these people, they like interacting with people. Right. They listen to them. And, and what they say, looking at those people in front of them, will maybe change their ideas, maybe what they thought about coming into the meeting. I've seen it happen time and time again, which it should. That's the intent of having public meetings. And so we miss that, but I don't, you know, I, you know, I hope we can get back to that. We will at some point. But I, I think this broad participation, though, regardless of we're face-to-face -face or not, Chris, I think we're going to have that. We almost have to. Yeah. Um, let's just a couple of hard, like maybe off the path questions, and and I'll let you get back to work. Um, <laughs> but you know, and I had it today. It was one of my friends who who works in state government. He's just like, it feels like we're going back to work. You know, we've always talked about you know lengthening, flattening the curve, and and flattening the curve, and flattening the curve, and it. it you know, the, the peak of this is going to be in June, and now we're all going back to work. Why are we going back to work now? Um, you know, isn't it, aren't we still coming up to the peak of the curve? And 
you know, what's the thought process in your brain and even the, some of the, we've gotten the leadership from uh, uh, Secretary Malsam Risen and of course the governor. You know what, you consistently hear, um, you know, with Kim, I mean, as she answered that question on podcasts or excuse me, the virtual town hall we had is that, you know, what they're looking at is number of hospital beds they have to respond. Right. And we're way up. I mean, I remember those first numbers we thought we were going to see in the state were nowhere near what we thought we were going to see. Right. And the number of people hospitalized is, is rapidly falling. It's not increasing. I think we probably come a little close to reaching our peak. Um, so that was that was the thought and this idea of, of the responsible behavior that we you know people have shown and that social distancing it truly has flattened the curve out. And so you know by people coming back to work and the show you know and if they're good about what they're doing and people work around are good about what we're doing it's not gonna it's not gonna increase that disease it is what it is out there right now right it's not trying to be pragmatic about it but that's not going to stop or stop that disease one way or the other it's going to work its course through mm-hmm. you know and that's really i think what kim said and you know yep. and that's what the health officials For say sure. so i i think we're in a good spot yeah I, and i agree i think i think that that's the you know like the flattening the curve thing is just that you know you don't want that big drastic peak and and that it's easy to forget that when you're cooped up at home too you know and, and then all of a sudden oh I got to go back to work well you know it's time to come out of the shell a little bit and get back to a little normalcy. Um, we talked about you know our campgrounds and 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 our state parks and and people using them and and people people. You know, not only finding some normalcy and, and getting out and recreating and being outside and, and doing those things with their family members and stuff, but I think we also had some requests. And I know, you know, my brother owns some cabins way up in northern Minnesota, and he got a request from somebody who was sick and said, "Look, mm-hmm. I, your cabins are out in the middle of nowhere, and they are. I mean, you know, and some of our cabins are out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, I'm sick. I want to use one of your cabins for two months. Um, what do we have in place?" Um, if we find out, but maybe they didn't know it, but they were camping and all of a sudden they get sick in their camper or they get sick in one of our cabins and it's, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's COVID what's in your brain work through that kind of those steps and what, you know, it just to alleviate some worry, I guess, if nothing else. Well, first of all, if they know they're positive. And if they want to come isolated, they want to come quarantine, and, you know, in a state facility, public facility, that that's in violation of both of those. Right. And that's just, that's poor judgment, you know, and that's not what you should be doing. That's I mean, you don't really care about a human man around you, but they shouldn't do that. Well, let's just say the situation, like we said, a lot of people don't know, and all of a sudden, you know, we were at some place, and, you know, we find out that, that we were positive. What happens is that person then, member of the public, or even, you know, a member of the staff, they will then get a phone call from Department of Public Health, <clears throat> they'll go through and they'll interview them and they'll decide the severity and how many people, how many contacts you had, whether it's a threat to more of a general population or not. They'll make those kind of calls. Then based on what Department of Public Health has to say, then we'll go back through and take reaction. And certainly we'll go back and, you know, we're doing, we're spending a lot of time cleaning these <laughs> facilities yeah. right now, a lot of time. That would really be deep clean at that point, Definitely. And make sure there's just no possibility of some inadvertently to be able to get COVID-19 based on that. But the main thing is they're going to get an interview. Then, you know, that person, that professional, then will make a decision. What do we need to do as far as the next step? Sure. Um, kind of off the script here, but I'm talking about parks. And, and, you know, one of the things was we didn't have any seasonals. We, we 
put them all on admin. Um, coming off a tough year for parks last year, not only you know visitation-wise because we had some hinky weather and we had a lot of water issues, but maintenance issues. And now we're working on a uh, you know not half staff, but pretty darn close because we rely on volunteers, we rely on park hosts, we rely on seasonals. I you know I think if people go out there right now. You aren't really going to notice that. There'll be some projects that maybe aren't as far along as they are, but our parks are in really, really good shape, and they've been done it on a short staff. Um, so I think that's important for folks to just kind of, if you go out there and you see somebody out there, you know, working their tails off, give them a honk and a wave and a thumbs up. I mean, I, I, I know Scott was worried about, Director Simpson was worried about that. You know, we're working on part staff, you know, half staff. You know, there's a there's a lot of heroes, like I said, in leadership comes out in this response to this disease. There's the obvious one, the first responders. You know, I was listening to another one early on, and the guy's like 21, 22 years old, and he's an and he's ambulance driver, and the number of bodies are picking up, and just say, 21 years old, he's going through that, and that's going to stay with him you know, his whole life. Um, and those are more obvious ones, you know, but, you know, the people serving the food, the people driving the vehicles here, you right. know, those farmers provided that food in the food chain. You know, in, in parks, um, you know, that staff's incredibly dedicated. I mean, we all recognize the importance of keeping people outside. You know, like you said, there's just no place to go. We want them outside. Right. It's good for them. They went out and they did that. And I'm not saying, they, you know, they're all comfortable doing it either, but they recognize that's something that was important to do. Then on top of that, we had this whole concern around the budget, as you mentioned, exposure more people kind of going through this so you know it was a you know informed decision not to bring some of these people back and so then yeah you have a lot of people doing job they normally wouldn't do to make this thing work right and if you go into the park it's fairly seamless if you're not behind the scenes mm -hmm. but behind the scenes there's an incredible amount of dedication work they have to put this thing together and trying to be safe provide that safe opportunity for the public so my you know my hats off to them you know they are our heroes trying to make this happen and you saw this thing you know with the conservation officers our park rangers i can just kind of go down the list um, there's just a lot of people out there who've gone way out beyond what they should and need to at times but it was a very very you know you know, if they have my sincere appreciation, hopefully the public's sincere appreciation for doing that. Oh, we'll get wrapped up. What did I miss? What 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 are we not getting out the folks that you wanted just to talk about? I, I, I think I went through most of our questions. And, but, uh, you know, I just, you know, um, as people, this is more from the public. You know, if you have the opportunity still, if you want to buy a license or if you want, you know, get a park entrance fee, please go and, you know, do it off our website. Right. That's the best thing to recall and do that. That's just less interactions, better for our staff, better for you to do those things. We urge you to do that. Get outside, go hunting, go fishing, go trapping. Just get outside and see what's going on or in the parks and different things. We want people to do that. We want people to be safe. Um, you know, don't lose your sense of community, your sense of compassion, who we are. Um, you know, we're seeing some, you know, some terrible responses, what happened in Minneapolis and people, you know, going on the other side, you know, and, and hopefully we don't go for too far down that road. We went down that way a little bit in Sioux Falls last night because we're better than that. We should be better than that. That's not who we are in South Dakota. Um, mm -hmm. And we shouldn't be doing that. Um, but, yeah, just appreciate your time. It's a beautiful summer. Um, but as you, you know, it's interesting being in these jobs because there's so much passion for that in this state and everybody has an opinion how to do the job. And I said more than time, I'm not saying it doesn't frustrate me at times, because it does, but I just can't imagine the other side of this thing. You know, 
what if there was no need to have a, a, a blog because no one cared? Right. They just flat out didn't care. They're busy doing work, you know, worry about other things other than getting outside. And so I always remind myself of that and also what a privilege is to have one of these jobs. I mean, it, it is really a privilege. You know, and, you know, Chris and I, you know, people listening, we give each other a bad time, but it's out of respect, too. And so, um, you know, my goal someday is to sing beside you in a, in, a, in a band. So I do think about that, honestly. You know, I used to be a decent singer, not right. anymore, but... Yeah, oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, you still are decent. Right, so don't still, do that. So not anymore. <laughs> no, but I just want to, you know, just a big shout out to all the staff and thank you for your patience with this and you know, be safe and um, you know, we all care about you. Yeah, well, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I know there's been a couple different times where I've tried to pick your brain and get you on, and it never works because you said you're a busy guy and getting pulled in a lot of different directions too, but. Uh, Hope everybody's out there staying well. Uh, don't forget deer applications. I'm pointing at you, Secretary. Get your deer applications in. Those are due next week. Uh, so get those in and, and uh, hunt for habitat. We've got a lot of other stuff. There's the AIS yeah. issues going on, you know, that we've got to get make sure we're getting the word out on some of that stuff. And, and um, I, last week was the first week where I was like, okay, we are getting back to normal because now the tidal wave of work and summer messaging and everything else is coming along. And um, you know, those deer apps, that's a big deal. Uh, no matter what we do, we always get folks, ah, I missed the deer application, you know. I didn't get your email. Well, I sent 20 of them, so. Yeah, I need to. So if I don't get drawn, I can give Kevin Roebling a bad time again. But the fact for the, you know, third year in a row, I didn't get my tag I wanted. Yeah, I would go, <laughs> this would be my third year if I don't get a tag. But it's it's yeah. part of it. You, I've got a young kid that's that's uh, kind of got the deer fever and shot her first doe. So we'll be concentrating on that. Didn't get to go out turkey hunting. We both had licenses, but. You know, I didn't go either, and I miss it. I go with Maggie Lindsay. I really enjoy hunting with Maggie. Right. You know, so down in Tripp County, and it just never worked out. And those plus, right. it seemed like the churches didn't, you know, yeah. act like they normally would. You know, it's warm early, and those, yep. those toms got active early. You know, but now, you know, now it's still a decent time. And, we, of course, it's, the season ended this weekend. But, you know, those hens got on those nests, and, you know, those toms are still all looking. Just like yep. our, you know, our rooster around our house, I sent a... <laughs> A video of a, a really active on Friday of some roosters because all those hens are all sitting on nests and right. they're still running around looking for them and they're active and calling. And I sent a, a call to to the governor saying it is nice to hear this, you know, right. you know, because it's right. constant calling. Yep. But that one's yeah, roaming around. That's for sure. We're not seeing any hens down at our place now either. It's it's all the roosters out looking around. It's looked like it's been a good year for pheasants. You know, so far Mother Nature's been good as far as nesting, as far as bugs. Yeah. Everything is coming together if it stays that way, but you right. know, there's still never months, and you know, we haven't seen all the twists of Mother Nature's going <laughs> to no give kidding. us yet, I'm sure. <clears throat> no kidding, but thanks again, boss, for your time. I appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure you'll be uh, yelling at me in the very near future about something I messed up. Probably, that's, undoubtedly. That's, that's the nature of the beast. Thanks, Chris. Take yeah. care. Thanks, boss. How can time fly just pass by without seeing how to me? Just pass by without seeing by to me. So that's this week's episode of the South Dakota Game Fishing Parks Podcast and Blast. Pretty interesting look into uh, the thought process of a Game Fishing Parks State Department secretary. Um not exactly what I thought. I had, you know, some questions coming in and stuff, and, and it's always interesting to talk to Kelly. I get I get a chance to talk to him quite a bit. 
pretty introspective guy and and uh interesting thing is he is very much a a people person and a kind of in-person person so it's interesting to hear those thoughts i hope you've liked it um this weekend national fishing and boating week here in south dakota we don't really need an uh an excuse i guess or or a reason to go out and fish and boat especially right now i mean we've got great weather Fish are biting, fish are shallow, all kinds of fish are biting. So I hope you get a chance to get out and enjoy those resources in your backyard because they are in your backyard. Um, had an interesting conversation with somebody at a boat ramp the other day, somebody I know real well, um, pulled out. They hadn't pulled their plugs out of their boat when they left, so I happened to just kind of catch them and... and uh, um, kind of got a little bit of an earful about the the plug rule and everything and and just just so just a reminder you know make sure those plugs are pulled and your live wells are drained and everything else um it's just what is what it is we're trying to stop the spread of those zebra mussels and milfoil when possible so always check your trailer make sure you don't have any weeds and stuff hanging out too that's can't stress that kind of stuff enough i mean it seems like a broken record but uh it's pretty important keep our awesome resources uh that much more awesomer, if you will. Also, um, got about another week to get those deer applications in for rifle seasons and muzzleloader season. So gfp.sd.gov, click on licensing and get your applications in for that. Pretty important thing. We get about 70,000 people putting in for those deer apps. So that's, uh, that's a big deal too. Hope everybody's staying well, staying safe. Getting outside and recreating, as always, if you got any questions or ideas for the podcast, it's chris.hull at state.sd.us. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on the Twitter. And uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Get outside and enjoy South Dakota's great, great outdoors. It's back my place where Just to jump.